When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This week's episode of Screen Talk is brought to you by HBO presenting Mayor of Easttown. Nominated for 16 Emmys, including Outstanding Limited or Anthology Series, an Outstanding Lead Actress in a Limited or Anthology Series or Movie for Kate Winslet. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly movie podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the executive editor, joined as always by Ann Thompson, our editor-at-large. And we've got a lot of film festival stuff to talk about this week, which is always fun because each week brings that sort of steady drum roll to the craziness of the fall movie season. And in spite of these strange times, there is a lot of cinema to anticipate that will be launched at film festivals. However, this past week, we've seen an acceleration of one side of the conversation that I think really deserves more attention. And that is how people are going to watch these movies. Now, obviously and most of I us had a, a little bit of a debate last week. Yeah. I yeah. Really so we bold. did. And I was the one who sounded like the nervous Nelly uh, <laughs> worrying about the Delta variant at uh, Telluride. And you were like poo pooing me. Well, and it's turned into a real thing and it, we're getting protocol announcements from Toronto and Telluride. And they're going to make us test before we go to Telluride. The part that's weird about that is that they want us to have a um, a printed out uh, uh, proof of 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 our testing uh, results, which is not the sort of high end, high tech approach that Can took. Well, l- let me backtrack. I wouldn't say I was poo pooing it so much as saying We're- that I. I know poo pooing is relative. What even is poo pooing these days? We're all taking weird risks just by virtue of doing anything now. And I, I think the point that I was sort of starting with is how much can you possibly do at a certain point in time? You're going to incur a risk just by by investing in going to these things in the first place. But I think the discourse surrounding uh, how festivals are, are showing their movies this year has really been fascinating because so many people were were able to access films via links virtually in the past year that they now have, a, a, I mean, a, an understandable sense of entitlement because they're they're looking out for their health and safety, but also have gotten very used to the idea that you can experience the entire range of uh, film media experiences, uh, festival movies and new releases. Uh, virtually at home with links. And then comes the New York Film Festival main slate and news that it's not being available that way. Toronto is not, it's not widely just festivals. available that way. Yeah. This whole issue is Everything. also true for screenings and certain studios are not making their movies available um, with links and, and online anymore. You have to go to a screening. I'm okay with going to a screening in a controlled setting with with people wearing masks. Um, yeah. uh, uh, other people are uncomfortable because sometimes people don't wear masks, and other people are uncomfortable if you're in a public theater setting uh, without um, control over uh, how the audience behaves. Uh, it's a it's a it's tough. You should have freedom of choice in this situation. You should be but, able to see things online. As but well. I do think so. The, so there's this this question, right? That I think a lot of people aren't totally asking the right way, which is 
who's making the decision about access? If a festival says that it's not going virtual this year, like New York or, or mostly what Toronto seems to be doing, leaning towards in person, is that because they just want to do that? It's actually not the case, right? The distributors- That's not true of Toronto. Toronto well, is a virtual film festival hybrid with a local right. component. New York right. is saying is either fully you New come York, to right? New York or you're not seeing anything at all. But, that is probably a well, decision but, being made by the distributors. Yeah, but, but to be case. clear, to, yes, but also Toronto is is uh, is uh, geo blocked right to the to Canada. I mean, yet press and industry will have a press and industry access, and honestly, it's not that radically different. From what you'd seen in previous years, except that it's also exactly what they level. did last right. year. It's, 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 it's and even in- more people going. Actually, here's the thing about Toronto. You and I know that they're a little bit. Um, I applaud them for making uh, the festival uh, accessible virtually, which was ma- which was probably more difficult for them to do in some ways. But and it won't. I I, yeah. I I think if you wanted to go, you could go. Yeah, there, there's no reason. But why aren't we going, Eric? Why isn't IndieWire? attending the Toronto Film Festival. Well, this is a fast moving target. And right now it's, it doesn't seem entirely practical to make uh, plans that we don't know exactly how they're going to play out. And we're going to tell you ride. We're going to see certain key films that we know we need to be present for. So the, on some level, the, uh, the need to be on the ground, on the ground in place in Toronto is, is that, that, pressing sort of exclusivity is mitigated by other kinds of opportunities that we have. I don't feel like that's a new situation necessarily. Personally, when I went to Toronto, I often was in the, in, in the last, let's say, half decade arriving there, having seen most of the higher profile films, either at Telluride or in private screenings that were set up by other people. And so were you. And to me, the opportunity really there is to go deeper, either in terms of smaller films, but also in terms of events and interfacing with industry people and so forth. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate. So there's a very that happen, interesting but... chicken and egg situation going on. Yeah. It's it's a it's fascinating to to parse. I feel for them. I have so much sympathy for them. Uh, it's not their fault that that COVID has has been, you know, raising its head again um, and that they came in late um, with vaccines in Canada. It, it's it's really not anybody's fault. Um that, that they're getting the short end of the stick in this way, but to the extent that they're extending themselves to allow us to participate in the festival virtually, the way Sundance did as well, um, that's really important and, and super cool. And we're going to be able to experience Toronto. It was a smooth interface last year. I'm looking forward to it again. But it's um, there are a lot of people not going a, because they don't have to, B, because they can save a lot of money by not going, and C, because the um, talent isn't going to be there. And why is that? It's go- the Yeah, virtual, we talked about that last the time. The virtual too. stuff is going to yeah. be uh, the way it's going to go. The junkets are going to be virtual. Well, but I mean, what, what is not... There. But what is not going to be online? But you're missing. What you're saying is you're missing a lot of what, you know, you the value of being on the ground. Done there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The value of being on the ground. That this is. I think a lot of the the kind of film media ecosystem is catching up to an experience that we've been having for quite some time, which is that there, the screenings are only one part of the value that festivals bring to the equation. That there's a lot that you can do. Once you you actually drill down in terms of availability, 
that doesn't actually require being present there, but there's an organic value that comes out of the festival environment that you can't replicate through a virtual experience. It Look, if I could go to Toronto, if I can go to Toronto, I would love to be there. And I'm sure there will be some good people there. We know Jessica Chastain is going to be around. Riz Ahmed will be the head of the platform jury. And the platform section looks really good. We talked about the docs last week. There's a lot of films that I would love to sort of experience in a festival climate. And I think that climate, that's what some people want to preserve. That's what distributors want to preserve. When, when New York Film Festival doesn't go online because the distributors don't want to make those films available that way, they're trying to preserve a kind of festival exclusivity that a lot of people are now fighting back against or that they think is unsafe. And I think that's really where this kind of challenge lies is that a lot of people who are in the uh, sort of business of launching these films see the physical experience of a festival, something that is so unreplicatable that they're, they're, they're not even going to try to allow the link to compensate. It's either the festival experience works or it doesn't. And so I think that's sort of what we're working through. And, and it's not going to be the same a year from now. Because in a way, New York is, I'm sure New York doesn't like to think of it the, itself this way, but New York really is a local film festival. It is a New York film festival. It's a huge city. There's an enormous number of people. It doesn't matter that much if people come from around the country to New York. No. It doesn't matter. It, Toronto is the festival of festivals. Toronto is intended to be international. It is intended yep. to have North America, not just Canada. It's, it's intended to have all of the you know U.S. people coming too. And and that's that's the sad thing. And I was thinking, I was, I was just talking to Sean Heder, the director of CODA, and one of the points that she made, which I found interesting, uh, was that when she debuted her movie at Sundance Virtually, a lot of people around the world, people who couldn't ordinarily have been able to see it, did see it because it was virtual. Um, it works for New York to, to be a live festival. I get it. But um, Toronto is the one that's being hurt by this, I think. Yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. But I also think that this is a, a moving target because just like last year, everyone is looking to the future and not trying to set a precedent that they can't wiggle out of. So to, to, to get too comfortable with access, to make everything available, only to find that a year from now with our booster shots or whatever, suddenly everyone is much more comfortable. A lot of people are much more comfortable going out there to go back and say, well, no, now we're not going to, to, to make everything available would be more complex than basically to hold fast. And I think that's sort of the, the challenge that people are working through in real time, but also with New York, it's not a premiere driven festival, right? I mean, with T10, there are a few. They, there's a few, right? We have like Lady Macbeth, like these kinds of things that are, are going to uh, need the, the festival environment as sort of the first starting point. But for a lot of them, it's like when T10 comes to New York, that's that's a specific event tied to the experience of it being a New York Film Festival launch pad. It's not just so people who have credentials can watch it on a link. I mean, that's just a and different by the way, category. the New York Film Festival, for the most part, is made up of canned titles. <laughs> Let's not. It always is. It's always it always has been. You know. Just as you always say, the 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 uh, their cone sensibility being artfully arcane. I like to think that New York Film Festival is often an extension of, of just that. I mean, I think it, it's certainly uncompromising in ways that, that are, are really exciting because they don't have to compromise. They don't have to worry, but people buy tickets to these. They can have two films from Hong Sang-soo because people are really excited about a new Hong Sang-soo movie here in New York. So to have both of them, you know, why not? 
and and then and by, and, by, and by definition toronto is more mainstream and it's it's kind of interesting what's happened was developed over time is that sometimes the movies that are playing telluride um are perceived as being the stronger likely oscar contenders than the ones that are are it isn't always true i'm not saying this is by you know a, a real truth i'm saying this is a perception um that some of those movies that play at toronto wind up being the more mainstream and crowd-pleasing ones that aren't necessarily uh oscar contenders we shall see yeah it's always it's, you never really know is Jake Gyllenhaal uh, in The Guilty uh, going to be a Best Actor contender? That's exactly what we need Toronto for, is to find that out and to see how it plays. But we're not going to really see how it plays in the same way. But I also think that there is value in seeing what else Toronto can do that can have impact. And hopefully, if Toronto doesn't have an impact, say, with these bigger awards titles, to the extent that it may have had in the past or with crowd pleasers that aren't awards titles, then maybe some aspect of its curation could also end up being really impactful. I mean, there are acquisition titles at this festival. It's often forgotten that there's significant films from you know an art house standpoint in sections like platform, which I think was a really sharp curatorial decision to create a competition section at this festival a few years ago, where films uh, that, that end up being worth talking about and may or may not come out this year uh, can, can launch and they can win prizes. So everything from Jack from uh, Jackie to uh, uh, Neon Bolt right uh, this, this beautiful brazilian film from a few years ago has launched in a section like that and i think you know if you if you look at toronto as perhaps the higher profile titles being more uh, impactful on the local level then maybe the films that people pay more attention to are the ones that can actually have an impact on other aspects of film culture. I mean, I'm looking at this film called Earwig in, in the platform section from Lucille Hadzlihalovich. I probably botched her last name, but she made this movie called Evolution a few years ago. She co-wrote uh, some Gaspar Noe films and uh, she it looks wild. It's about a woman who, who has ice cubes for teeth. Who wouldn't watch That's that? That's a good one. That's a good one. Ice uh, um, I, I'm really excited that my uh, the, my favorite filmmaking team after the Coens, perhaps, um, David Siegel and Scott McGee, have a movie called Montana Story um, and uh, starring Haley Lou Richardson. These guys for, for years have been making great movies that are underappreciated. And I, I keep hoping they're going to have a breakout one of these days. Yeah. So, I mean, this is the kind of thing where it's like we're looking for, for some discoveries, for some surprises, for some breakthroughs, because so much about award season is sort of it, it feels very planned out, feels very methodical. And obviously we start anticipating it quite early. So just to have something that surprises you and whether or not it ends up feeding into that fall movie season narrative and it's sort of irrelevant to some degree, especially right now. I mean, you spent a lot of can talking to U.S. distributors the U.S. distributors are definitely going to be looking around for stuff, whether or not they're releasing they, it. They'll probably the be year. doing it on online. Um, they will be, and, yeah. And uh, and the, so there's some interest. There's another movie. So Riz Ahmed is in this. Um, 
He's he's running that jury. He's going to be uh, in a movie called Encounter. Have you have you checked into this? It's, it's, no, tell it's, me about it. It's a sci-fi uh, story, and and it sounds kind of kind of interesting. Um, uh, that that I need to see more about that. Um, and and. Adam, you know, so Benedict Cumberbatch is going to be getting one of the awards in Toronto along with uh, Jessica Chastain. So she's got eyes of Tammy Faye making a big uh, splash there, presumably. That's what they're hoping for. And he's got two movies. He's got the Jane Campion movie, Power of the Dog, which I cannot wait to see. And the uh, Electrical Life of Lewis Wayne, which is is the period. It sounds like another version of the imitation game. Uh, But uh, we shall see. Adam Driver is is coming up in like three movies this fall. Uh, Annette just opened. He always right. seems so stressed out. I almost kind of wish he would just like take Relax some time to relax. He's riding the one train. weird movie. You He's know? riding the train. Well, Annette was the weird one. I, I know. I, I had a great time with that one. <laughs> so House of Gucci, we're going to find out you oh know, how that plays. And then and Last Duel. I can't wait to see these. Yeah, so so those are all pretty significant. And then another festival update we got this week was at Tick, Tick, Boom, which at, we, we weren't sure when we were going to get a chance to see that one. Lin-Manuel Miranda directing uh, the this adaptation of, of the, the off-Broadway show from the guy who wrote Rent. Uh, starring Jonathan Andrew, Larson, Jonathan Larson. Uh, with, and there was, there was a great trailer that came out. And I, like I've said, I often try to ignore trailers, but this was a, a really remarkable trailer. Andrew Garfield but, looks like he's just running away with it. Looks it looks so looks much like fun. A, I cannot wait so, to see it. Opening Some people AFI are fan. reacting to this one as if because it's opening AFI, that means that it must be bad, which I don't get now, at all. Where does I that mean, logic come from? I have no idea. Selma played uh, AFI American Sniper American went on to Sniper, win Oscars yeah. as, as, you know or get, at least get nominated for Oscars at, at AFI uh, Lincoln uh, played played AFI it, there, there's you know they're back in November it's back where it's supposed to be sort of at the end of the fall season which is a good place also you gotta give to Netflix credit I mean one actually finished yeah Netflix obviously is making the decisions here Netflix is coming back to the festival circuit after taking a break last year and clearly choosing spots that make sense for their films. It seems like a smart move for a film that could benefit from an opening night slot as opposed to being, you know, in competition at Venice or something. I don't know if it was invited there, but I mean, it's, it's a very specific curatorial I think this has more to do with when the movie's you know actually finished um but you're right they're very strategic they they spend trust me they spend hours and hours laboring over what's the best fit for each festival what is going to come out of each festival they 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 actually strategize these things down to very specific uh points of of reference so yeah a nice reminder that festivals really do matter too i mean not argue that point ever (laughs) no but i mean it's it's true i mean it's like whether they are hybrid events exclusive physical i mean people should figure out what what it is that the festival is supposed to do and then plan accordingly but i i don't think there's one answer and that just to bring this back to what we were talking about before i think it is important for people to understand that like before you like tweet out your rage about how insensitive this festival is being by being online only or how insensitive this distributor is being i mean the, the reality is that everything's going to come out eventually but different kinds of festivals and different films are going to perform differently in different kinds of ways. And people are making calculated decisions on the basis of what they think will help their agenda. Uh, And they're not necessarily going to do it to the benefit of everyone. 
And I think that's that's a source of consternation that we have to work through uh, as this horrible situation of the pandemic continues to evolve. But there isn't one specific obvious answer. It isn't just you know, it's necessarily going to mean opening up the floodgates for access either. So. Well, what's really going to happen is that we're going to these festivals do function as gatekeepers in whatever form they're in. And the media are going to play a very key role in figuring and figuring out, uh, you know, is 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 this an Oscar contender? Is this an also ran? Is this going to be a commercial play in theaters? And all the distributors are going to be paying attention to that as they make their decisions going down the line. So let's talk about a movie that's actually coming out this week that is subject to those questions, which is Respect, the Aretha Franklin biopic with Jennifer Hudson. So you saw the movie like a week ago. I saw it in New York. The stars traversed the the the, the country. So we both got Q&A's with them. So they're, they're in promotional mode for this movie as it comes out. And I have to say, I went into it managing expectations. I didn't. I didn't expect much, to be honest with you. I do think it is clunky and, and, and obvious is? in parts. I, well, so, I thought I, so, uh, I think, well, partly because because of er, some some early reactions, but also because uh, I just I, it's a, it was just a certain kind of feeling about the material, the way in which, you know, as a first time director, the, the release date, the kind of uh, just some something about the the, the way in which this movie had been sort of percolating for a while, but there wasn't a lot of obvious buzz for it. It was just like clearly centered around the performance. When I saw it, what I found was that uh, the performance isn't just like the movie Saving Grace. It, it kind of is the movie. Jennifer Hudson, I mean, she's no Aretha, obviously. She does. She, if you compare them, that hurts, but she, she sounds fantastic. I thought that she was the engine of this movie and carried it all the way through. And then it becomes basically a prologue to the documentary Amazing Grace, uh, which is amazing. Everyone should see. It's exactly and, the moment where it lets off. And, and then it delivers. Should see that. Um, and the way that it payoff. ended, the ending was extraordinary, uh, where she, she, which is a song from that, from that extraordinary uh, concert, um, where her gospel album that nobody thought would ever do anything turned out to be one of the, the biggest, biggest albums of all yeah. time. Her, and her biggest. So um, I agree with you, Eric, actually, that, that her performance is so extraordinary actually that I can just just hand her a nomination it's not going to be uh, a question mark uh, I think uh, the degree of difficulty the all the costume changes and wig I think she had 83 costume changes 11 wig changes it's crazy um, you know she she really carries the movie worked her ass off uh, you know what Marlon Wayans at the press conference I went to was you know ordering her food and trying to keep her uh, <laughs> hydrated you know everybody was very concerned because she was carrying such such a heavy load I think that Liesl Tommy did a really good job of of, of a solid you know straight on uh, biopic uh, movie it, it it is actually very entertaining uh, the audience which was uh, that I saw it with was a bunch of uh, nominating committee people from SAG and they really enjoyed it they were really it works in the room it. No, there's a it lot of applause work. moments. It's going to work it, in theaters. As you say, I mean, it's it's by the book. It's like when Mark Maron shows up as this like a smarmy, you know, manager agent type. It's like it's a little it, there's parts that are just kind of silly. Right. But it, but it, it it's it's not enough 
to pull he you out of more it. more of, of a powerful music producer. I mean, he he actually helped her. But he's still lot. Mark Marin. That's why I think it was a, it's like it's a little funny. hard to see past. Uh, yeah, I, I struggled with it a bit, but I appreciate the effort. He always gets cat. I don't he, think he, it's a supporting actor nomination. No, I no. I mean, he, he pops up in Joker, too, that Forrest way. Forrest you know? Whitaker, I think, yeah. will be. Forrest Whitaker, one. actually, at least he tries to bury himself in the rum. He's a, he's a superb actor. You can always see the effort there on screen. Again, I mean, and this is not my kind of movie, right? But it's but it's still a, a lot of fun to watch. And and the music because the music just delivers. It doesn't skimp you on that. And it's and, and compared it to the uh, to the uh, Cynthia Riva plays plays does a, did a great job playing Aretha Franklin got Emmy nomination for her Genius Aretha series. In that case, they had so many episodes that they went into every detail of of Aretha's uh, life. This gets gives the short shrift to um, the horrors of what she went through on the road and uh, the, giving birth to children in her as a as like a twelve year old, a fourteen year old. You know, really bad uh, stuff that went on in in her early years with her father being very controlling but anyway that was they didn't have the big songs this one gets the big songs yeah it lets them play out made with aretha's blessing yeah and and she picked jennifer hudson to play her and audra mcdonald to play her mother you know that helps avoid you know some controversy with the family member speaking out against whatever but it's also (laughs) no they're very on board and uh, it gets inside the creative process pretty well. I mean, that sometimes I'm annoyed when it, when a, something like a biopic kind of plays off your knowledge of somebody. And certainly there are some wink, wink, nod, nod moments. But I enjoy watching respect come together at the piano and then, uh, you know, Marlon popping out and being like, it's an Otis Redding song. <laughs> you know, it's just that sort of like my favorite to scene. Burst her bubble. Re- I have no idea whether her sisters were were. So Aretha, her, the, her name in her family was Re. They called her right. Re. And so you got the sisters saying, Re, Re, Re. And then right. And then it just goes into that thing. Re, re, yeah, re, that's fun. I, I mean, that's like, like, like a I, pop I culture no punchline. Who knows? But it, it works well enough. I think, I mean, we don't we don't necessarily go to these movies for realism or for that kind of authenticity. So some of the some of the stuff that's stage here is more annoying. You know, the drama as some of the more dr- dramatic, tragic aspects of it might be more melodramatic in a way that they're sort of a little too much. Oh, but, her but life that was probably like, more melodramatic than anything in this movie. Well, yeah. And the, the, but I would say like the melt, the alcohol fueled meltdown, for example, is is, is a little soaky. They took that example. a little far. Yeah, yeah it goes I a little far there. So there, there. But I guess here's here's the thing that I'm, I'm wondering about. So last year. We talked quite a bit about how different the award season was going to be because we couldn't have the, those FYC events where everybody's working in the room and shaking hands. Oh, God, remember handshakes and how I don't how know where that's going to go as yet. I mean, we are having more screenings uh, for the press, which is just that's one thing. I'm really curious this had talent there later on this. Had, yeah. All right. So in this case, they told us we all had to be vaccinated and show our vaccination card in order to get in. Yeah, and they I didn't did have that. to do that in New York. Um, Everyone in the audience was yeah. masked. Yeah, we front. were masked. Yeah, I don't, I don't even remember what the, the fine print wasn't is. Masked. At this no. point, yeah, the talent wasn't masked. I saw it at AMC 34th Street. Uh, I didn't even think about it. At this point, it's sort of like you, you walk indoors. I saw it at somewhere. the Westwood, you know, the Bruin yeah. and Westwood, which is a big theater. So I had my mask on because I assumed you had out. 
Yeah, we were space. There were spaces. It, I didn't get the sense that anyone was. They were managing capacity. There were. There was definitely. Yeah, it was were, fun though. We got to see to how it. it played. That yep. made a difference. You and it I can say with authority that the movie plays. It, you, you know? need it. I mean, there's there's yeah. no question. Like, and it's I bet a movie we that, reacted better to it knowing that than we would have otherwise. Oh, 100 percent. And and honestly, I mean. I don't know how this movie will do commercially this weekend. It's going to be but a commercial, but I don't know how many people are going. That's the problem. And no, if anybody listening to this, if, you, if you're willing to go to a movie theater, pop into a movie theater and see it because it there there's just like fun applause moments. People will applaud and stuff and 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 laugh and it's just you know it the music so well. Yeah. In that way, it's a little bit. It's not the same level, but it's comparable in some ways to Bohemian Rhapsody in the sense that so many people oh, of so many generations know this music inside out. Yeah, I liked it quite a bit better than Bohemian Rhapsody too. Yeah, it so is better than Bohemian Rhapsody. Way. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Bohemian Rhapsody. I people should it was go a see it. Cheesy piece of shit, except yeah. for the performance by the actor who got the Oscar for it. <laughs> we shall never speak of that Robbie again. Malik. <laughs> oh yeah, that guy. No, but then the other thing is watch the movie and then go home and watch Amazing Grace. It really does set up that documentary and that documentary should have had an awards campaign. It was the yeah, remember they, they they screwed up the release because exactly, I wrote about it like 50 times. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a crazy Aretha journey. herself held it up for a while, yep. for years. Yep. Then when she died, the uh, guy who produced it was so excited about it <laughs> and he virtually edited it, too, even though it was yep. um, originally shot by Sidney Pollack at the time. And then it was sitting in a vault for years. Then they got the technology to get everything synced up properly and put it out. Yeah. And this guy, he, he was so excited that he that he qualified it too early. It, it should have been ready to be uh, an Oscar contender last year. Yeah, he jumped the gun. Yep. Yeah. So so go watch that one. And next week, we're going to try something a little bit different because I'm going to take a You're vacation. You're going to be on vacation. I haven't done. I don't know. I don't even know what a vacation is anymore. This is very mysterious to me, this vacation concept. So we'll see how that goes. But you'll be around. I think you'll have a, a special guest of some sort. So I'm sure that whoever that person is will fill my shoes quite capably. And uh, then have you're going to be on vacation after that. Right. So. I'll find somebody to fill your shoes capably enough. And uh, I very much look forward to reconvening with you after that, because then we're going straight into Telluride mode. It's happening. So rest up. I'll do the same. And I look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks, Anne. See you then. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.